Hey, um, that's good. We're eating bread. Mm-hmm. We're eating slices mm. of fresh, made today, mm. country white bread from mm. Signature Baking. Oh, that's good bread. It's really good bread. Mm. This was hand delivered by a member of the family that owns this bakery. Mm-hmm. They are in Dallas, <laughs> and they brought us bread. Oh man! And this is all to say, mm. this episode is brought to you by Signature Baking. Oh, damn right it is. If you are in the <clears throat> Dallas Fort Worth area and are having a hard time getting fresh bread, or you want much better fresh bread, mm-hmm. go to signaturebaking.com and they will oh. deliver it to your door. Home. They will deliver it to your door. It's, a, uh, it's an amazing family, an amazing business. They're helping out service industry peeps with jobs while they're down for the count. I'm going to take another bite. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good bread. That was good bread. I'm going to make a badass sandwich tomorrow. Yeah, right? So do mm. yourself a favor. If you want some really good bread, go to SignatureBaking.com. Mm. Five by five at the movies. Five by five at the movies. We like watching movies. Now listen to the show. Ryan on the set. Hi, Dan. Hey, Keith. We just finished our bread. Well, you finished your bread. Are you still eating your bread? I didn't even look over. So, are you keep eating your bread? I'm going to explain how this episode's a little bit different. Mm hmm. Uh, because we're going to go, and we've done this before, but we're going to do it today. We're going to go interview first. Okay. Because uh, I, sometimes the interview is so amazing, I want to put it up front, and sometimes the person giving the interview, uh, they might be li- the people might be listening to this episode just for this interview. That's fair. And I don't want them to have to sit through all our housekeeping and bullshit mm. and jokes about Brian. Bullshit after. Well, bullshit after the interview. <laughs> so what we're going to do right now is we're going to listen to my interview with Amy Jo Johnson, actress. Woo. Known for Felicity, Woo. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Woo. director. She made The Space Between, the big-ass poster in my office. Mm-hmm. And she made a movie that is dropping May 1st called Word. Tammy's Always Dying. That's days away. I was going to say. This is going to come out tomorrow, that, so tomorrow it, it's two days away. It seems like it's going to be real easy for people to get it because they don't have to go to a, a different place. Right. Like a movie theater. Sure. Or and in fact, we're going to learn in the interview that this movie, in addition to every other streaming platform, is also on Voodoo. <laughs> Who fucking knew? Who fucking knew? It's a real thing, The apparently. girl with the voodoo. Um, all right, so here's my interview with Amy Jo Johnson. Woo! Listen to it. Hey, everyone. I am here with Amy Jo Johnson, director, actor. One time we shared a box of gummy bears. <laughs> my favorite person. Amy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's nice having my movie come out next week because I have, or actually this week, um, it gives me something to do right now. And I think it's so important people find something to do and to focus on, you know? Sure. What is, uh, what has been your routine since you've been stuck inside because of hashtag pandemic? Yeah. Um, you know, I have my little rituals, my workout, my bang away on the piano, singing my music. And then, you know, the release of Tammy's Always Dying has been taking up a lot of my time, which sure. is, has been really great. And you've been doing these Stage It concerts. I know. Which yeah, has been one. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Um, all right. So we're here to talk about Tammy's Always Dying. It comes out May 1st, VOD and streaming. Uh, do we know what platforms yet, or is that something people have to search for? 
No, I actually I have them all. There are. So it comes out in um, Canada and the U.S. Okay. And so in the U.S., they are. Oh God. Well, this isn't in. <laughs> That's it. We can add it in later if you want. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, because you can you can edit this. We can edit. In oh, fact, okay. uh, if I say anything that you think is too much of a plot point giveaway, let me know and I'll edit it out. Oh, okay. So Two. it's going to be, it's available on iTunes, Vudu, Amazon, Fandango Now, Hoopla, Canopy, Comcast, Charter Cox, Altus, and Medicom. Oh, wow, that's a lot. We yeah. literally just did a giant story about Vudu uh, <laughs> on our last episode. So everyone oh, out there good. using Vudu. Go see Tammy's Always Dying Me First. All right, so first, uh, I have a list of questions I'm going to throw out there. One, uh, this is so much, not just um, story-wise, but visually a darker movie than The Space Between. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know why I, th I thought after seeing the last movie, like your calling card might be like bright, shiny films. Um, but the setting is so much a character in this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like this almost run-down rural city, uh, and there's not a lot of light. Uh, it's just, it, it gives you that feeling of being small town and trapped. Yeah, so I think the big difference is that I did not write Tammy's Always Dying. Sure. So my very good friend Joanne Sarazen, who I met at the Canadian Film Center, is the writer of the film. Yep. And we met there when I was studying directing, and she was writing the script actually and I heard it in a reading and I just fell in love with it sort of cathartically um my dad is a male version of Tammy oh wow <laughs> yeah yeah wow. yeah I laugh because at this point in my life I sort of have to but you know sure. poor dad he he's a non-functioning alcoholic and suffers from depression but yet he um in the past was always just ridiculous and and kind of funny at the same time um that that's sort of gone now but anyway so i think i really um was attracted to the material because of that and sure um and yeah joanne has a wicked sense of humor so the movie is quite dark like you say but yet there is a humor within it and that's what attracted me to the movie oh, and then sure. we yeah we shot in a town called Hamilton, which uh, is like an in industry, industrial town with a lot of factories and right on the water. And I, I find it stunningly beautiful, actually. It's just such a pretty, raw, gritty and dirty landscape to shoot a film there. I, I yeah. Yeah, it's just every everything just has like this little coat of silt on it almost. Yeah. And it just there was this huge juxtaposition between the last film. Like, wow, that's pretty uh, effing cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I I loved collaborating with Joanne, and I love the process of, of, you know, sort of diving in and trying to find my way into her script. Sure. I, I I really love that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I want to say this feels very uniquely Canadian still. Does though. it? In uh, what way? Okay. So the thing that jumped out at me, and again, without going out too much, I think I'm I'm going trying to go off what I saw in the movie versus what's in the trailer. In the trailer, we see, um, you know, she obviously gets very sick, and at no point is there a discussion on how she's going to pay for treatment. Uh, and I thought that oh, was very... Oh, that's very, very ca Canadian. That's yeah. very or, Canadian. 
or when they're in the diner and she's like, you don't pay for an abortion. Um, that, that too. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm just like, you know, in my head, I'm like seeing like, you know, they're, they're obviously financially struggling. And yeah. if somebody brought up chemotherapy in a conversation, you know, here I'd be like, the first thing is like, I can't afford that. Yeah. It's and so I'm, true. You know, I think that was important to Joanne too. And she, you know, has said, and it's true that poverty in Canada is very different from poverty in the U.S. Sure. Yeah. I think we're, we're more taken care of up here in Canada for sure. Uh, I have a list of favorite scenes I want to bring up. And uh, the first one is uh, something in the trailer, something in the movie. Uh, there's two diner scenes. And I made a note that says, I would watch a TV show of just these diner scenes <laughs> over and over again. And I had woken up my roommate laughing at the, um, uh, that's right, I'm talking shit on you, Doreen, uh, part in that first diner scene. And I thought that... Uh, because it's so early in the movie, I'm like, okay, I get where this is going. This has like a bad Santa kind of vibe. Uh, and it, it's each act is its own thing. And I thought that that setup of the diner was incredible. Yeah. So Joanne was a playwright. And okay. so I think the, the screenplay sort of lends itself to that. It was a lot of, um, you know, dialogue, like a play, the way sure. it was written. Um, and so, you know, we shot all of that, and at the end of the day, it was way too long. And so there, there was definitely a journey in the editing room, in in reconstructing and in finding the right story to tell. Um, Lauren Holly had a much bigger part. Um, she's a friend of mine, and it just it, it didn't fit at the end Got of it. the day. We kind of had to streamline what we were doing and really uh, figure out the story I wanted to tell. Um, but yeah, those diner scenes and in the car scene and they, I think they're sort of an actor's dream too, because you, you, you get a ramp up and you get to keep going and, and sure. bantering and talking. Yeah. And then the, uh, I think the, uh, one of the other more like emotional things that hit me is my, that hair on my neck, uh, stood up in the grocery store, the body language of, we'll call her the other woman, Kelly coming up to cat and like speaking behind her like not face to face and saying the difference between you and me is i kept mine uh oh that that made my skin crawl yeah i th jessica grefko is that actress and, and she's she was i think she's quite wonderful in the movie um and that's what i love about these characters especially the lead character kathy is you know we're all flawed as humans and and Kathy, uh, you know, our lead that we root for, played by Anastasia Phillips, um, is very flawed. <laughs> sure. But yet, I think we still <laughs> love her because we all are, and we have to have compassion for each other. <laughs> I really uh, think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, we haven't even touched on the main characters: uh, Felicity Huffman, Anastasia, and um, Clark Johnson. Like, whoa! Mm -hmm. Like, just chemistry abound. And, like, at no point was I ever taken out. I just bought every character from the first word to the last word. Um, just rad. Just absolutely rad. Uh, what was Felicity Huffman like? So, she was a force. And she is a force. And I think we were so lucky. And I feel so blessed that she, you know, fell in love with the script. And flew to Toronto to shoot our tiny little indie movie you know, with a $2 million budget and bring her a game was like, we were pretty lucky and sure. voice, 
and boy did she like she came you know when I met with her in New York two months before um she had some questions about the script and stuff but she said if I sign on I have to start now and I was like oh we're shooting in October it's like what she's like she needed to prepare and which was kind of exciting. Like, what is she going to do for three months? Sure. <laughs> but, but she came, you know, with all the rays grown out and like, she really just was brave and dove right into who this character Tammy is and like just embodied her. Now she is not Canadian. Is no, she, she no. is not. So uh, my old manager in Los Angeles, Joni Burstein came on as a, as a EP on the film sure. and she got the script into Felicity's hands. And that's the hardest thing is to attach an actor at right. like Felicity's caliber and getting a person to actually, an actress to actually, or an actor to actually read a script. But Joni did that and, and got Felicity to read it. And it was such a good script that she said, yes, it's, I mean, it's a great role for her. She's fantastic in it. Now, did you guys ever talk on about that accent? Because she, has such a tinge of Canadian accent. I'm like, wh what if she is? Yeah, well, we actually, that was one of the things she worked really hard on for a couple months. And, that makes you know, sense. She, she was trying out a couple different accents, and at, at the top, you know, she was sending me some tapes of, and it was sounded like very much like Rochester, New York. And sure. it was like, oh, wait, because that's only 45 minutes away from Hamilton. But that's a very different accent. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really great because in that moment, I was like, okay, where are we? Are we in Rochester, New York, or are we in Canada? And the script, like you said, it's Canada. It totally is Canada. It would have to be, there have to be a complete, um, you know, not rewrite, but, uh, you know, a revision to the script to make it be in the U.S. Sure. Um, so we, I told Hamilton when I found that bridge, which to me is like a character within the movie. I love that bridge so much. I found it on Google Maps. Nice. <laughs> I just like drove there. And, um, I thought, well, why don't we just make it Hamilton? Because I can imagine you just Google mapping around the entire city looking for places. Like for this bridge. To do your scouting. Yeah. Sure. Does and that I bridge actually have a suicide net underneath it? No. I was, I was going to say, like, that. I'm like, that was pretty... I mean, if it did, I'm saying that would also be very uniquely Canadian because we would not care, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, no, it did not. But once we solidified that, then it was easier to sort of... Um, her to, to hone in and focus on the accent up in Hamilton. Got it. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit, talk about the music in the movie. Um, yeah. Uh, so, like so subtle at sometimes and otherworldly and ethereal at others like the like the music when i think of the music of this movie the thing that stuck sticks with me is the bar scene when tammy's giving out gifts yeah um, okay so yeah. this guy casey mq uh -huh. um he's been at south by southwest and he's he has um right now during during this quarantine he has something called like the um quarantine quarantini or something like that where he has like a thousand people come to his nightclub every night have you heard of this no oh it's pretty popular um okay. it's crazy he he <laughs> he started with some friends and was like every night we're gonna do this nightclub for you know mostly like gay lesbian trans you know the, that whole scene a nightclub scene and um he said we're gonna do it every night of the, the quarantine 
That's amazing. Well, they they said that when it was supposed to be two weeks. Oh yeah, they're, sure. <laughs> they're, they're still going. It's become massive. Like a thousand wow. people tune. It's on Zoom. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up so you can. Uh, anybody can go. It's really cool. Um. So he's the composer of the movie. Right. Got it. Yeah, and he was I think just great. So um, his name is KCMQ, and it's called Club Quarantine. Club Quarantine, awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone Google cool. that. And go to that. Uh, but yeah, like so, that scene was just like it. I, completely just like bashed me in the feels out of nowhere of like you know everyone obviously being used to tammy kind of coming in like a whirlwind and then just this fixation on her daughter uh cat catherine's um face and just like you know like so like kind of you know used to it kind of embarrassed um, you know so that um was one of the hardest scenes in the movie that i had editing um, it was it was a different scene before, okay. um, in the sense that there it, you know how it turns into that sort of like music and it's yeah. kind of slow down and which I think where we landed I just, I love I love where it's at it it wasn't that it was a much longer scene and the tone of it just wasn't working for me at all sure. um, and so then we played around in the editing room with that and then Casey came up with the um, the score for it that I think sort of just sort of then became what it is, which I, I love. Um, and then the soundtrack of, of the whole movie. So do you remember the band Remy Zero in the 90s? No. Oh, it was like an L.A. band. <laughs> Got it. Um, they were so great. Um, anyway, he, my friend Sinjin Tate, who is the lead singer of that band, mm -hmm. that's his song um, near the end of the movie. Got it. And yep. then Bird York, um, who was nominated for an Oscar for her song in Crash, mm -hmm. wrote Kites, which is the the last uh, song. Yeah, was, uh, my, for like the first like couple seconds, I'm like, that's gotta be Amy. No, no, no I'm like, no, Bird. yeah, yeah, I double checked, yeah. She read the script, and um, and she wrote the song based off of the script. That's amazing. Yeah. And then we have um, Claire McGuire. Is that Boomerang, the opening song? Okay. That's Which, pretty awesome. Yeah, we had something very different in there, and the opening was had a very different tone. And then I was driving to the editing room, and I heard that song on my Google Play. Nice. And I was like, oh, let's throw that in there and see what happens. And oh, I yeah. just fell in love with it, and I reached out to her on Facebook, and, and she said yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, – so – Every time we review or talk about movies uh, on this podcast, we talk about um, predictability and how, like, you know, from the beginning of the film, do you know what's going to happen at the end and how right were you? And uh, I've, there's people on our network, they're, like, really good at pinpointing. And boy, was I not prepared uh, for not only the third act surprise, but then the very end of the film. Um, and I'm like, I can't imagine directing this film knowing how it's going to end up. So where it ends is mm -hmm. was the intention in the first place. Um, sure. Was the intention in the script and how I shot it. Then in the editing room, it took a lot of different turns, and that ending changed a lot and became a very big conversation with a lot of people because of how sensitive it is. And yeah. 
And at the end of the day, we almost locked a movie that I didn't believe in or love. And I had to have real good think. And then I was like, you know what? This is my ending. This is the ending I want. And so uh, the producers and the people believe in me enough to, to let me have the ending that I yeah. think is the movie. It is so different and wonderful. And like, I just, I just remember this. I was watching this yesterday and I just ended this movie with my hand over my mouth. <laughs> just like I just cause just accepting it and it's just and that's you know if there's something I can impart to everyone listening to go watch this because you do not know what's going to happen yeah and that's pretty it's pretty rad that's pretty special yeah um, and you know um Felicity actually you know her signing on to do the movie that was a big conversation for her as well and she really wanted it to be a story of redemption and right. and at the end of the day, I think that ending that you're talking about it, it gives that. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh my, yeah. especially that last. Uh, I'm gonna say that. Um, that one of the last conversations we see the two main characters have. Uh, yeah. just beautiful. Uh, yeah. and then there's this whole subplot about a TV show, which is <laughs> like, it's uh, again like I'm gonna uh, reaffirm this word subtlety of this film is just like it's not crammed in there. It's like it flows in and out. Um, about this, uh, and I wrote down the word victimhood because it was said in the script, and I'm like, I was watching, and I paused the movie, and I wrote down victimhood because I'm like, boy, does that word take a punch to your chest a little bit. And um, so without giving too much away, there is a subplot about this daytime TV show, uh, for everyone yeah. listening, um, and kind of the aw the awfulness of trauma porn. Yeah, for sure, and that's where Lauren Holly's um, part was a lot bigger. But within editing the film and, and really trying to streamline the right story to tell, that uh, that section was a lot bigger, had to sort of uh, be cut and, and get smaller to fit within the film. But it is important because, you know, it, it's that's what Kathy thinks that's going to save her, which I think oh, a lot yeah. of people can fall into that. And it, that isn't, it isn't going to save anybody. Right, because she's... Um... <laughs> She's kind of um oh I'm I'm so sorry I'm like the the character who wrote the book uh is it what what is oh what my is, god now I'm blanking too I know the Linda actress is, Linda yeah Linda Black is that what it is <laughs> yeah Linda Black there we go um so sorry uh it's just like she's kind of idolizing this person as like oh there are other victims of trauma who have turned this into kind of fame or success or money and like there's got to be a way to cash in on the situation. And like you said, like that's her saving grace. That's her life preserver. Yeah. And like, because she, she's never had really anything except for taking care of her mother is the, is her only thing that she's ever been good at as Tammy oh. even says within the, in the movie. And so she's searching for something else. Right. So, uh, you know, there's this other character who's obviously cashed in on their kind of trauma. And then when our main or one of our main characters is like in this terrible, deep, dark place, she reaches for that book written by this other traumatized person as like a, almost like a faith, like a Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Just that's, right. That's not smart. No. Uh, <laughs> speaking of these people, it's like I, I felt like every act there was one person where I screamed, "I know that person," uh, mm -hmm. because it's such an interesting cast. There's like you said, Lauren Holly, who was Mary from Dumb and Dumber, which is pretty cool, because uh, like that was my first one. Like ah, that girl from Dumb and Dumber. Um, yep. Christian Brunn from Handmaid's Tale. Oh, he's so great. He was in the Space Between as well. What character was he in the Space Between? He was the mortician. He was Teddy. Oh my God, he was the mortician. <laughs> Oh, yeah. with the mother. Oh, my yeah. God. 
yeah, I did he's not. So great. Oof. Yeah, because I saw him and I'm just like, oh, I gotta look up where that guy's from. And then Tara Nicodemo, who plays uh, that author, she's in Star Trek Discovery, and I'm a giant nerd. Uh, <laughs> so I saw that. I'm like, oh, Star Trek actress. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but like, as, as I'm and making then, this, oh, go ahead. Oh, and then um, um, Clark Johnson as well. What what's Clark Johnson in? So he was on the wire. He okay. was on a lot of stuff, and then he's a he's a director now. He directs wow. a lot of TV, like uh, uh, Homeland and a, bu- a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, uh, he was very generous to come out and, and shoot and shoot the movie with me and try not to try to direct it. No, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as I'm writing this list of all these people and other things, I'm like. Here you have dramatic actors, sci-fi, comedy actors, and it's all they're all kind of meshing together, and it just the personalities of everyone is just so effing believable. I just awesome. could, I just dug it top to bottom. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, I do think that a lot of people can identify with with the film, with all the different issues and all the different you know things that we tackle within it. I think everybody knows somebody, like somebody within the movie. Like you said. Oh, yeah. Anyone with an abusive parent or uh, the, the thing that hit me is uh, the suburb from Philadelphia I'm from has always felt very glue trappy. Like, you know, if you're there, you're you're stuck there and yeah. you have two jobs. You're either working construction or you're waiting for your next construction job. Yeah. And uh, yeah. immediately I'm like, this town is a character in the film and it's pulling and uh, just that's what got me. It's like I'm like I recognize myself in this because of that town. Yeah. Also, Feeling uh, trapped and then having to. I mean, that's really Kathy's journey is is letting go and to be able to leave that town. Sure. And also, like kind of glossing over this kind of a male love interest um, character, which uh, <laughs> he's kind of awful, but like. And a in a really bizarre and glad he's been overcome kind of way. Oh, with Reggie, that's yeah. Aaron Ashmore. He's so good in it too. Yeah, yeah. And that's like one of Kathy's biggest flaws is that relationship, which we all have had. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, or hopefully have never versions been. of. Versions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have those anymore, thank God. That's that's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like he's just like such a charming looking person being so vile was a weird juxtaposition. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah dug the shit out of it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Hey, uh, is there anything else you would like to impart to people? No, I just, you know, I hope everybody's taking care of themselves and okay. And, and if you want to watch Tammy's always dying, it's available on VOD May 1st. And I, that would mean a lot to me. I really want this little film to, to get out there and and have people see it because we all worked so hard on it sure and it played at tiff right it did which i'm so glad i'm so glad we went to tiff because that was for me just a highlight in my career and it was so special for me to be there as a filmmaker and to have my movie in there and, and celebrate that and um you know it was supposed to be in theaters May 1st, but that's not happening sure. with everything that's going on. So I'm just really grateful that we had that. Yeah, that has been a story that we have been nonstop covering, just like the, what is happening to theaters and, you know, are we going to see this gigantic pivot towards just streaming all the time? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, TIFF actually announced today they are not going to postpone the festival. They are going to do it completely online if they have to. And I oh, thought wow. that was such a cool thing for them to do and say, you know what? We're supposed to be in September. We're going to stay in September even if we have to be uh, not physical. Yeah, I think we're all really getting used to Zoom and, and other ways. <laughs> of. It's true. We're doing a premiere actually on Friday, and we have a contest going on um, where you – post a picture of yourself of what you would wear to the premiere and Aww. and then we're going to pick like the the 50 most creative posts and we're going to invite those people we're going to do a zoom with my friend greg grumberg who was on felicity with me he's going to host awesome. it with me and joanne and anastasia and and we're just going to celebrate um online because that's that's what we're going to have to do for a little now. bit yeah. yeah or a lot of it hopefully not yeah Amy J. Johnson, thank you for being here. Yay, so well, nice being to see there. you. Good to see you. Uh, guys, rem uh, reminder, Tammy's Always Dying, May 1st, VOD, uh, iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo. Go get it. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Woo! Yay! That was one of my favorite interviews. And <laughs> she is delightful and wonderful. And my only goal in life is to make her my close personal friend. And not just yeah. say that she's my close personal friend, <laughs> but to actually make that true. All right. You ready to get into the show? Yes, I am. I kind of like interview first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, they're, they're different. I mean, and if you know, if you don't care, you can skip forward. It's, it's easy. You know, it doesn't matter. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go into emails. Email. All right. We got two emails this hey. week. First one. From Jeff D'Souza. Yeah. Aforementioned family baker. Purveyor of delicious, breads. delicious breads. Jeff, a price uh, you can afford. writes, love your show. Oh, he also says, uh, it's just, uh, hey, Keith. So fuck you, I guess. <laughs> hey, Keith, love your show. Thank you so much for advertising my family's business. Well, you're paying for it, so you're welcome. <laughs> it's made a real difference. I'm hey. not sure that's true, but <laughs> you might just make we'll it. Can't wait to hear the next episode, Pink Heart. Aww. Yeah, I know. Delightful, uh, delightful man. Next email, uh, believe it or not, was very, very long. Yeah. And I've edited down <laughs> to the parts I care about. And that's from our friend Walker. It's Walker time. Walker writes in an email subject, you've got mail. <laughs> hey, fellas, have you seen you've got mail? <laughs> I, just, I have. <laughs> I just caught myself doing the Tom Hanks delete the first few sentences after it came out. Super saccharine and awkward move. I'll admit, I held down the backspace key instead of hitting it 47 times, but real talk, I expect he widened his gestures for the camera. All right, dude. So Walker apparently had written a really nice email that deleted it. I don't know. He says... I, I find I, I don't trust the uh, auto stop on the letting it go. Okay. Uh, whenever you hold down backspace, especially on a phone, because it starts doing full words. It goes real quick. So I always do uh, hold down backspace. And then let go a little early, and then you gotta tap it a couple times. What I imagine Walker in my head, because we have yet to meet this man, and I'm not gonna look him up on the internet because I'm afraid. Uh, I imagine that he is writing out everything on a typewriter, and then transcribes it into his email because he's, he's uh, Walker's got a lot of time on his hands. He says, uh, <laughs> "I'm excited to hear you've got Amy Jo Johnson coming up on the show this coming week. My kid sister." <laughs> keep doing that uh my, my kid sister really looked up to her as a role model and wore her pink power ranger outfit for halloween at least twice Ching. 
There you go. That's the typewriter noise. My sister is similarly gorgeous, creepy, uh, and had to work twice as hard in medical school and be take to be taken seriously. So I'm not surprised that Miss Johnson doesn't like talking about that show. I actually don't know for a fact she doesn't like talking about it. I have just seen her be physically annoyed by the amount that I talked about it. So. <laughs> Granted, usually when you're talking to her, she's promoting a different thing that isn't yeah. what, <laughs> sure. what you were I wouldn't want to do wanting it, yeah. to talk about. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Our living room TV has a voodoo has voodoo on it. <laughs> For the record, we <laughs> bought it at Cos- Costco, not Walmart. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the what's the Walmart owned one? Uh, not Costco, oh, but do they, not Costco, they but the other one. What's the big? Well, there's uh, in, in the north, there's BJ's. No, uh, Sam's Club. There we go. Yeah, Sam's Club is owned by oh. the same family yeah, as Walmart. The yeah, yeah. So Did I don't know that. Yeah, I'm very surprised. Anyway, but I guess the manufacturers may be owned by them. We don't know. I just got on now and started surfing around. Was a bit surprised how much TNA was being flashed about. <laughs> Sounds like Walmart. <laughs> Oof. Don't get me wrong. I didn't mind. Just it didn't seem like the sampling of shows uh, my parents who do shop at Walmart might want to watch. <laughs> so if you have parents or grandparents out there, they get a Walmart t- TV. Let them know there's a lot of tits on these TVs. <laughs> the Walmart TV's got the tits. Um, but I guess there's some disparity between Fox Entertainment and Fox News as well. Fair. Yeah, fair. One last thing. It is not his last thing. Uh, <laughs> things are heating up at work and I'm finding myself with less and less free time. Bullshit. Uh, understand that your show is a priority for me, but I may not be able to nudge enough things aside to write you every single week during the next couple months. Might I suggest just shorter fucking emails, Walker? <laughs> Uh, there are three PS's, uh, but I picked out my favorite one, which is PSS. I did go back and listen to last week last week's show a few times. Yeah, he's super busy. You did say that The Flash was being released in June originally, not February. So Dan did hear one word and interpret it as another. Fuck you, Dan. Oh, God. <laughs> God. That's our first corrections department email. Right. And, uh, it was to fuck you. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, those are our emails. You want to go to reviews? Yeah. We don't have any fucking reviews. <laughs> you want to check in with Brian? Yes. Brian says, hey. and I, I was kind of over it, but I like that, you know, last time he sent me like 40 tweets. So this time he's like, hey, Keith Ruckus, I'm alive. Watch the platform Tiger King three times, Dirty Money, and Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 10, playing <laughs> through the old Gears of War games on Xbox. And that's it. <laughs> All right. So I like the brevity of it. Yeah. Good update, Brian. I'm glad you don't have the Rona. Yep. I'm glad you're alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like Gears of War, too. Yeah. Right, I've got a bunch of news this week. This was, like, the last couple weeks, I felt like I was kind of pulling, like, stretching mm. things. Like, what's kind of interesting? The cup runneth the fuck over this week. You're not kidding. Right, I even so got a couple. You got a couple. So I'm going to let you go first, because now you get assignments every week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, speaking of assignments, yeah. I actually watched Blade Runner. <laughs> What'd you think of Blade Runner? It was very good. I go. enjoyed it. Good uh, review. Yeah. <laughs> no, very moody, very noir, very like old school hard sci-fi, which I very much enjoy. Sure. Um, and apparently I did it. I watched it like two weeks too late because now the new one isn't streaming anywhere for free. So I got to rent it. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the new one? Yeah. 2049 is not on streaming it's anymore. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> so that's fine. You can wait on that one. Word. All right. Hit me with some news. First, uh, first story. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been 
uh, wondering about this for uh, for a couple of weeks now. Um, Oscars 2021 eligibility. Yeah. Uh, they officially voted to let movies in uh, for consideration that weren't shown in theaters. Right. Uh, for this year only. Um, uh, that would be my first question. Is that from now on? It's it's so very streaming movies worded. can be nominated for Oscars. It's it's weirdly worded because it says How? until further notice. Okay. For only the ninety third annual Oscars. <laughs> so, uh, permanently, but only this year. Well, I'd say until further notice to me means <laughs> they, that, they can rescind it. Right, like if they open <laughs> theaters tomorrow, like there's yeah, a, they could be like J.K. Haha. Like they find out that the. Uh, the cure to coronavirus is diet and exercise and we all fucking <laughs> begrudgingly do it for the first that's time that's not gonna happen in america yeah, of course not let's say it did <laughs> exercise <of> my rights <laughs> to protest this rona i got my hair done uh but yeah they could uh theoretically say oh just kidding but i like this idea i think they should keep it going yeah and basically the rule is uh the film must be available on the secure academy screening room member only streaming site within 60 days of the film streaming or vod release i don't even know what the fuck that is here's what boggles my mind about it hit me there exists uh-huh. a academy screening room member only streaming site sure for a bunch of people who mm-hmm. up until a worldwide pandemic mm-hmm said that your movie for consideration has to run in theaters but they are allowed to uh, be judging them based on their members only streaming site (laughs) they're all just gonna watch it on their home laptops or TVs I would go so far as to say that everybody that is an academy voting member has a giant TV uh, with a good setup at home but yeah that makes sense because I hear about that people because people get screeners too yeah you have yeah. to. There's too much because otherwise, to see every movie, you'd have to go to a theater every fucking yep. weekend, if yeah. not more. Yeah. So I get that, and I understand that. I'm okay <laughs> with it. Yeah, I just thought it was just a weird concept that all of. I mean, the it doesn't have to done. do with. It has to do with elitism. It doesn't have to do with yeah. protecting the art of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's, Once it got shot the, on digital, it doesn't fucking matter where you watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part. Of, it's just the inherent hypocrisy of the. Uh, it, it needs to be cinema that is experienced yeah. in theaters, but, but I'm going to judge it by watching it in my living room. Fuck you, old white man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck every single one of you. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just has to, um, you know, uh, play, uh, pass all of the original rules as well. Sure. So that's just the, the one rule right. that they're being relaxed on. I like that. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, and the other one was AMC theaters won't play universal movies anymore. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot impart to our audience the magnitude of that statement. Yes. The magnet that universal studios, one of the oldest movie studios in the creation mm-hmm. of the history That's of man, Jurassic world three fast nine. Um, what the, uh, uh, minions, Three, I think, yeah. is the next one. Oh, I've got some other Universal giant movies, but... movies that are coming yeah. out like this year, this year, or next year. Is the biggest market share. They are the biggest theater chain mm-hmm. in the world, and or at least in the United States. I don't know what they got going in China, uh, but uh, they're not going to play their movies anymore. Why, Dan? Why? Because yeah. traditionally, mm-hmm. um, 
quoting a variety here. Sure. Uh, prior to the pandemic, studios typically waited 90 days uh, after a theatrical opening to release films digitally. Sure. Um, Universal had been advertising that their Trolls World Tour movie was going to be coming out in theaters, coming out in theaters, coming out yep. in theaters, coming out in theaters. Spent untold millions of dollars telling everybody it's coming out in theaters. Yep. Then the pandemic hit. Right. Uh, all the movie theaters shut down before their intended release date. So Universal said, hey, we're going to try this out. Put it on VOD. Put it on VOD, see what happens. Made $50 million their opening week. Um, they're up to, I think it's at uh, about $100 million in the okay. first three weeks. Probably shy of what they would have done in theaters, but still a nice but chunk still, of cash. Yeah, still on their way to profitability. Right. Um, apparently, AMC was butthurt that they were not consulted. Sure, and they fucking decision. should have been. Yeah, because so they're if, partners in the industry. Right. One, one, you got your distributor who makes it and gives it to people to put out and you've got your exhibitors who put it out and put so it in front I'm of people's Joe Schmo faces and i own a little art house theater nobody gives a fuck about me but if yep. i'm the number one market share where if this movie is gonna make you know half a billion dollars yep. and a, a third of that is coming from my fucking theater yep. god damn right i want a heads up <laughs> yeah yeah, so. I don't even fucking like AMC. Fuck you, AMC. <laughs> yeah. But they deserve the respect of a phone call. Yeah, exactly. It's that's the whole thing. It's not that it went to VOD. It's that they weren't. Consulted. They didn't. They didn't get a phone call. They sure. they didn't get any kind of. Hey, maybe we can do you know later if people still want to see it in theaters, we can work that out. We'll you know negotiate a post fact whatever. Uh, maybe we can figure out, you know, stream it for a certain amount of time that won't hurt us as bad later, something like that. Any right. kind of heads up or, you know, uh, able to be talked to about any of the details or possibilities with your business yeah. partner, essentially. I want to point out that I've hit the mic twice because <laughs> I was touching my face, which is the epitome of two wrongs <laughs> don't make a right. Uh, but yeah, uh, now on the other side of this, say I was a smaller theater chain with like, I don't know, pull something out, like 26 locations. Uh, I might be happy as a pig. Yeah, I might be happy as a pig in shit because yep. now if you, people want to see these movies, they have they to come have to, to my to theater. To yep. Uh, and I think this is this is just bolstering from AMC. I think it'll all get smoothed out. Oh yeah. I think they just want to see Universal come correct and tickle some balls. Yeah. And take it on the chin. I think yep. they're gonna use this to probably get a better distribution deal out of them too. Oh yeah. I think this is a who blinks first situation. Yeah. Maybe instead of a third, we get half from now on. Right. So yeah. you know, like or like uh, you know, after the it's like. After the first release or like the first couple of weeks of release, like there's a flat fee normally for movies that's like 250 bucks to play in your theater. Mm. They're like, you know what? For us, it's 150 bucks from now on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and if you and like that's a lot of revenue loss for AMC too, but it's certainly not more of a loss than zero. Yeah. So yeah, I think <laughs> this is a who blinks first situation, and I'm gonna bet it's Universal. Yeah. I think it's, this is a real bad look for them. It's it's kind of funny. They don't like, have the high ground going through their public statements. Which are very like, hey, we didn't do anything. It's not our fault. Uh, but also kind of fuck these guys. But hey, I'm not going to say fuck these guys. Yeah. I'll <laughs> like, say it. Fuck you, AMC. <laughs> yeah. 
That's really This guy's being a dick, but I'm not going to call him a dick. Speaking of Universal, uh, the Warner Brothers contract with Lego has expired. Oh. And that contract has gone to Universal Studios. Wow. Or Productions. Universal Studios is a theme park. Uh, So (laughs) there will never be another WB Lego movie. Wow. It is now in the hands of Universal. And part of the deal is they can't use WB property. So all Harry Potter... And DC stuff is gone. Lego oh, Batman's gone. The only stuff they can use is Universal properties, which means the next Lego movies are going to be very Jurassic Park heavy. Oh, yeah. Because those Lego sets already exist. Yep. And they've already at least have been alluded to in the movies. Yes. Yes, yeah. they have. Uh, so that's a really interesting move to me. <laughs> I can't understand what Lego is thinking. Now I'll yeah. say this: I like Legos almost as much as I like movies. In fact, this room is Accurate. split fifty-fifty, Spe- specifically movie-based Legos. Yeah, this, this room is half full of Legos, half full of movie posters and movie memorabilia. Yep. Uh, so I think this is now. I didn't like the Lego Movie. I'm on an I island. I know Lego you movie. love the Lego Movie. <laughs> I am on think an it island. Is I expect to get hate mail for that statement. I, <laughs> I didn't hate it. It just wasn't my jam. I loved Lego Batman. Yeah, love yes. Lego Batman. Will Arnett <sighs> might be my favorite Batman now. It's oh, he's so good at he's it. So good, <laughs> Lobster Thermidor. Uh, <laughs> but this is the most interesting movie. Like, what is Lego One? Yeah, like the the cool part of Lego Movie was that they got to somehow use every property's things. So I'm guessing that Lego felt they weren't getting a big enough piece of the pie. Mm. That's my wild speculation. I mean, maybe we'll see Lego Avengers instead. You sure. Because now they can't use DC shit because that's all but Warner Brothers. But then they'd have to go through Disney and they just signed a deal with Universal. Yeah, but I feel like Disney's at least already sharing Spider-Man live action with another company. So maybe they're willing to share the Lego. Maybe that's a thing, you know. We'll see. Whereas Uh, this door may be closed because that was probably already part of the sale or negotiation or whatever. Very bizarre. But we're not going to see another Lego movie, like at least the way we have. So there's no Lego movie three. Man, very bizarre. Uh, I, I have to imagine this is a monetary thing. Yeah, is that gotta deal with all of the TV stuff too? Because there's a ton of like Lego, you know, Black Panther and Hulk and all kinds I have of no stuff idea. in Star Wars. I think TV is um, separate. Okay, I'd hope so because I are, love Lego Freemakers. Look, if, <laughs> yeah. if you haven't gone on YouTube and watched Lego Freemakers, it's a Star Wars yeah, series. They have them all it. on uh, Disney Plus. I as have well. a whole shelf set aside for lego freemakers and i fucking love them yeah all right uh neither here nor there that's a really interesting (laughs) move also an interesting move from universal (laughs) oh man they're they're just (laughs) making moves this week going to vod instead of theaters Mm. is a movie called king of staten island yes this is part of that variety article okay yeah this is uh pete davidson Mm -hmm. and judd apatow yeah so uh, Judd Apatow directed and produced Pete Davidson starring as a quasi autobiographical movie that's embellished. Uh, my guess, uh, my first thought is Eight Mile. Yeah. You know, kind of the real story, kind of not. Eight, uh, eight Mile, but knocked up. Right, sure. <laughs> it's about uh, 
Scott, a wannabe tattoo artist in his mid-twenties who still lives with his mom, played by Marissa Tomei, <laughs> and has been struggling with a case of arrested development ever since his firefighter dad died when he was a kid, which happened to Pete Davidson, Okay, only to find out that his carefree world has rocked when his mom starts dating a loudmouth firefighter, played by Bill Burr. <laughs> oh man, uh, this has been getting some work lately. This is like uh, like <laughs> shitty white trash Spider Man without the superpowers. <laughs> That's what this reminds me already. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that that's my first uh, feeling from this. Uh, the VOD thing's interesting. It's also going to come out a week ahead of its original planned theatrical release. The, so uh, I guess Universal is just du- doubling down <laughs> on the fuck everyone. Yeah. Uh, I that, hope- at least that makes more sense to me. Like a Judd Apatow movie is not your $100, $150 million sure. blockbuster. Again, like we're hitting that slope though. Yeah. I like to think everyone at Universal right now is in panic mode. And oh, everyone's yeah. just, they're just <laughs> grasping at wooden doors. Yeah. And, I, I just imagine and common sense is Leonardo DiCaprio. Everybody wearing a suit, running around with a fire extinguisher, just like point me where it's needed. Sure. Point me where it's and needed. And it's Bill Burr. <laughs> yeah. The what's, fire. what's on fire? <laughs> uh, absolutely <laughs> fucking obs- like insane. <laughs> Everything that's going on there, but that's happening. Yeah. And uh, I'll watch that movie because it sounds great. Yup. I kind of like Pete Davidson because he's a train wreck <laughs> of a human being. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Sony, and speaking of do not blinks or who blinks for situations, uh, Sony's movie Spider-Man 3 pushes it back four months to November 5th. That's yes. making it a Christmas season movie. Yeah. Do we not talk about the last week? Did, or we? did we? I thought the did last thing we said out? was they wouldn't move. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it we're came like, out after last yeah, week's like, episode. Sony, okay. Sony said, we're <laughs> not of, moving this. All of these days are blended right? together. Because <laughs> like, we don't care what changes in the MCU story. This is our release date. We're not giving it up. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that that would have fucked up everything, so they got talked into it. Um, yeah, so it looks like uh, Spider-Man 3 is going to take, um, take the spot that was going to be uh, Doctor Strange 2. Yep. So Doctor Strange 2 moved back four months, which was a new spot. Um, and they moved, what was it? Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Um, uh, what was it going to be? Uh, Eternals? No, not Eternals. Black Panther? Not Black Panther. Oh, man. Something that made sense for Valentine's Day. Love and Thunder. <laughs> yes. Uh, Love and Thunder is gonna was pushed forward to a, a week Day. to Valentine's Day weekend, which is funny. Yeah, <laughs> so that they wouldn't be within like a month of each other. There you go. There's a little bit more space in between them. So yeah, this uh, 2021 is gonna have like five Marvel or Sony Marvel movies come sure. out instead of the usual like three. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, crappy, uh, crappy ass little theater, the Alamo Draft House. <laughs> They have uh, approximately 26 locations. About 26 <laughs> locations in the magnated states of America. Uh, won't reopen. Inside jokes are fun. Uh, won't reopen any locations until it's safe. Uh, effectively, without so many words telling Greg Abbott where he can shove it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. So not even though their Texas theaters can open this weekend, they won't. Uh, kudos to you, Alamo Draft House. That's the smart yeah. move. Yeah. They basically uh, said like, look, it's gonna be complicated and yeah. uh, it's gonna take some time. We gotta retrain people on how to do new procedures. Sure. And we're not just gonna do it because the governor told us to. Also, like, we're gonna make sure we do it safely. Everyone out there. Uh, if you go to a movie theater right now, you're a monster and you're going to get people killed. We <laughs> yeah. love movies. We want you to see movies, but not the fuck right now. Yeah. You're going to get killed or you're going to kill other people. Yeah. There we, is a pandemic that's getting worse, not better. We, we would like people to stay alive to be able to see the movies that will come out. Yeah, but not Universal Movies at AMC. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, we, weird delay drama that I'm gonna spe- uh, I'm gonna speculate wildly about Vin <laughs> Diesel Instagrams a weird throwing of shade and then deletes it immediately but it's the internet oh. he says with a picture like, like a picture that is the poster of Fast 9 uh-huh. happy creative Sunday everyone sorry I haven't posted much lately I can't do his voice I have so been trying weird. to mitigate a war between Universal Studios oh, no. and, and the PGA oh. hold on and he says the PGA stands for not Producers Guild of America but the Prejudice Guild of America Ooh. now him being a producer of the movie I assume he's in the PGA <laughs> yeah so I think he's pissed that the movie's still pushed back yeah that's my guess oh that's weird but he's he's like he says he's in a war between Universal Studios and the PGA. I don't know what the PGA has to do with that movie. Yeah, there's got to be some like weird behind the scenes thing that I mean, yeah. only makes sense if you're a producer in Hollywood. Deletes yeah. It. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, Isn't it's it? like it must be too inside baseball, and he was just like, nah, nobody's gonna take this the right way. Delete it. Yeah, so that's that with Vin <laughs> Diesel. Uh, another uh, Instagram post by Tom Hardy. That I was, was just about to say immediately Tom, deleted. Tom Hardy is apparently known for immediately deleting shit off of he his Twitter and Instagram. Puts up this fan art of Ven, like MC or MC, like Sony versus Venom, biting into MCU Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. It's fan art. He says R.I.P. Spidey with a question mark and then immediately deletes it. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Apparently uh, he's known for doing that shit. So <laughs> I think we will absolutely see Spider-Man in Venom 2. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. May 4th. It's coming up. May the 4th. Uh, in a really surprising move by Disney Plus, they are dropping Rise four weeks early. Oh, wow. Yeah. So everyone oh. who... Yeah. Okay. Everyone, everyone who bought... Uh, Rise of Skywalker on VOD, fuck you. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. now on May 4th, I bought, Disney... I bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> there you go. It'll be on Disney Plus on May 4th, uh, along with the Mandalorian behind-the-scenes documentary. Yeah, it's like an eight-part yep. docu-series. I'm and, super looking forward to that. And the finale of Clone Wars, which confused me because I thought those were on Fridays, but I guess they pushed uh, up. Maybe they're more. holding it for the for the special day kind of thing right so i guess it'll be friday and then oh Monday. i guess yeah doing it early because there's yeah we'll do it yeah. five days early to go on may 4th oh, so anyway may God 4th damn is, there's so much star wars content it's a lot of star wars uh on a on a work day on a monday i'm just kidding we don't have jobs anymore <laughs> yeah we don't it's have industries uh in the why the fuck do we need this file this week uh now you see me three is coming with Amer- <laughs> American Hustle writer Eric Warren Singer. Of all 
all the movies that still need to finish their production and now get things done. Uh, it's, it has apparently been in development since just before two released. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked what Now You See Me one. Yeah. I thought Now You See Me two was stupid. Oh yeah, and this one's gonna be worse. Uh, yep. And it's. I also think because and like they're really toting like no 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 we have the American Hustle writer and you know like the Academy Award winning <laughs> I didn't really care for American Hustle that much because I liked Silver Linings Playbook so much David yep. O. Russell's movie right before with basically the same cast minus yeah. Christian Bale <laughs> yeah didn't really care for it neither here nor there all right Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is making a time travel movie okay with the director of Free Guy oh word his new one. Uh, Ryan Reynolds also said twice in two different interviews, apparently, that Free Guy is his favorite movies ever made, including I was, Deadpool. I was gonna say, like, that's that's pretty ballsy. Like, I'm before this movie comes out, I'm already signed on to do another one with the same guy. Director. So he like, must have so much fun with yeah. this. I'm guessing Ooh. he got to do everything he wanted to do with Deadpool, but did, didn't because producers or Marvel or someone yeah. told him no. Which I can't imagine as much. Uh, The film is untitled, but will revolve around him (laughs) meeting and talking to his 13-year-old self, which is something (laughs) I have thought about often. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a pretty uh, universal, uh, no pun intended. (laughs) All right, and these are some new stories I want to blow through. Uh, I've decided from here on, (laughs) this show will always end with and I've done this the last couple episodes. Ha- news that makes me personally happy. Yeah. I'm calling this segment news to lighten note. the moods. Yeah. So you gotta some, make a jingle. Some you have good news to lighten the moods. That's news your news to lighten your mood. No, my, well mine. I don't care about everyone else's. <laughs> I said your. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Take that as you want. <laughs> Joe, uh, Joey Pants. Yeah. Joe Pantaleone. Joey Pants. Uh, really wants to be in Matrix Four. Nice. He really wants to be Cypher. Uh, he has lobbied and pitched to the Wachowski sisters. Uh, uh, how, how would... Do we know... <coughs> how the me. fuck is Trinity coming do back? We, how the fuck yeah, is Neo get that matter? Say, do, we, do we know what the time frame is? Nope. Of the, uh, of the movie? Hmm. I don't think that matters. But yeah, he says... just say they're from an, another reboot. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> definitely saying it's probably not happening. He said that they have not been very <laughs> yeah. open to him they, coming they, back. They have not reached second. out. Yeah. He has lobbied. <laughs> they have had conversations. He said it's probably not happening. Aw. Uh, <laughs> my biggest part with uh, Last... Uh, my biggest problem with Last Jedi. <laughs> my absolute worst thing I, I had with it and I was John Boyega saying the words Chrome Dome mm. uh, and so my one <laughs> stint on Doug Loves Movies my favorite yep. movie podcast besides <laughs> this one of course when asked what I thought of that movie I, I had a hard time fumbling I said I didn't like it because there are parts that were written like it was a Ninja Turtle movie yeah uh, and that part was because that's what they call Shredder Chrome I'm like it's such a weird colloquialism same thing with Yoda saying Page Turner Mm -hmm. there are certain colloquialisms I didn't like so someone on Twitter reached out to John Boyega and said did you ad lib the line Chrome Dome this is very important to me (laughs) and he said all caps nope with a barf face nine times. Uh, and John Boyega is known for throwing shade at Star Wars. He's like, he loves the franchise, hates these fucking movies. They're written yeah. fucking horribly. Oh, man. He was like, nope, they made me do it. It's like, but, if it's in the script, I got to do it at least once. But he said, nope, all caps with nine barf face. Let's count to nine real quick. One, <laughs> two, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He went through it. Even if he rapidly tapped, he wanted to show his displeasure for having to say the term Chrome Dome, which I agree with. That is the dumbest fucking part of that movie. Mm. I will give you that. I'm, I'm one of the people who really likes The Last Jedi. Um, for for a lot of reasons, but that fucking bugs me. It is that movie's <laughs> congratulations, Cap. You're a criminal. Yes, you know what I mean, like that. Yeah, 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 like yeah. A totally like halting the universe to know that some executive somewhere mm-hmm. said, "Oh, my 12 year old son likes to refer to Phasma as Chrome Dome. Put that in there." Yeah. Stupid. All right. Oh man. Last piece of news, uh, mm-hmm. and my favorite piece of news of the week. Uh. The biggest money losing movie of 2019 ended up being Dark Phoenix. Oh shit! They lost 133 million dollars. Oh. That's that's full gross net whatever. Oh my like god! When you factor in production cost and advertising everything, to have oh. that movie go out in the world cost Fox 133 million dollars. Cost them their fucking company is what it did. <laughs> they could have fixed the water in Flint, Michigan four times. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. For how much money they fucking lost. Oh my god. Now, I mean, that's how much money you put into a blockbuster sure. to make a billion. Yeah. <laughs> they lost 133 million dollars. I did not know that was written as two movies and began shooting as two movies and they oh. said, "Fuck it, let's condense it and make it one." In oh. the best decision they've ever made. Like it is the, the showgirls of superhero formula. movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck that, dude. Oh. All right, would you care to wager a guess on the next three most money-losing films of 2019? Oh God! Uh, I wouldn't have thought, but when I say them out loud or read them out loud for the first time, it made sense. I'm not just uh, shoot them at me. Okay, all three of these, and the reason I'm bringing up these three are the other ones that lost more than a hundred million dollars. Yeah, coming in second to last, Terminator Dark Fate lost 122.6. Nobody went out to see it. Right, I haven't seen it yet, but again, the reviews were so good, I'm kind of sad. Yeah, cats. Cat, of course, <laughs> cats lost 113.6 million, and Gemini Man. Oh, I don't man. know how that movie lost money. Uh, it looked so how, good. Yeah, how do you <laughs> how do you fuck up a, a Will Smith vehicle? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, this, I mean, After Earth. Yeah, but I mean, he's mm-hmm. made Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah he's I made some bad ones. It's, it's uh, that the, lost one hundred and eleven point one million anymore. So they're all pretty close. They all Ugh. well crossed the hundred million mark. It's not like Dark Phoenix like ran away with it. They yeah. all lost quite a bit. Jesus Christ! All right, that is our show for this week. <laughs> that's the that's stuff the, to make you feel good. That makes me feel great. <laughs> I feel great about that. I like that nobody is getting uh you know rewards for their shit ass work. Um, <laughs> Uh, just a friendly reminder, go to patreon.com slash 5 by 5 at the movies. We're still holding steady with our four supporters, yeah. two of which have been emailing us, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go and give us five bucks a month. I know times are tight. I know you don't have any money. We really don't have any fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Both of our industries are not a thing right yeah, now. So give us five bucks a month. Make us happy. Go to patreon.com. You, you are our industry. Yeah. Slash 5 by 5 at the movies. Thank you so much, Amy Jo Johnson. Yeah. I'm going to do a count and say figure out how many times I said her full name during this show <laughs> and I'll update it on our Facebook. I bet it's in the in the upper 20s. That's my guess. I said her name a lot during that interview. 
Uh, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Dan Richardson, for being our co-host. Uh-huh. Thank you so much to everyone listening. Please review us on iTunes if you're so inclined, because nobody the fuck else is. Email us at 5x5film <laughs> at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, criticisms, or super long fucking emails. Find us on Facebook at 5x5themovies. We have two new followers. Now we're up to 41 followers Woo! of our 4,000 active listeners. 41 of them are now our Facebook followers. Get crawl before you can walk. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Dan Benjamin, Hattie Cook, and the entire 5x5 network. We'll see you next week with another 5x5 at the movies. I'm going to go eat some more bread. Eat that bread. Get that bread. Roll, Roll credits. credits.